Hello, and welcome to the Redenbacher. You've been granted permission to board this glorious vessel on its maiden voyage. I'm your co-host, Matt Murphy, joined by Commander Ben Bullerwell. How you doing, Ben? I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks for that introduction. It's great to be here. We're new officers aboard the, the Redenbacher here. It's so exciting. I just I just can't wait to begin this journey with you. Um, we're receiving transmissions with episodes of the Orville, and we're going to talk about them when we're not on duty. So. Yeah, I can't wait. So without further ado, let's get into it. Today we received a transmission for Season 2, Episode 4 of the Orville called Nothing Left on Earth Except Excepting Fishes, and it was a good one. Mm-hmm. What an interesting title that is, hey? Nothing Left on Earth Excepting Fishes. We'll get into that later. Um, so yeah, uh, we're going to, I guess, pretty much start with like a brief synopsis of the episode, just so uh, we're hoping that everyone has seen the episode by this point. We're going to um, assume you did. We'll be spoiling it in depth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is yeah, that's a good that's a good thing to shout out right now. If you've yeah. not seen the episode, please just put this on pause. Please come back. But please put this on pause. Watch yeah. the episode. The best thing you can do for us other than listening is watching the show and supporting it because we'd love for it to get a season three. Absolutely, guys. Uh, I remember when season one was uh, finished and we, we weren't really sure at that point if we were getting a confirmed season two or not. And it left me with a great deal of anxiety. Many nights I, I lied awake. And <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you did sure. as well, Matt. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I had faith. I had faith. Seth MacFarlane and Fox are, are pretty tight. So I had hoped that they would get renewed. But season three could very well be in jeopardy. We don't know. I don't know what the ratings are like this year. But, hey, if you like it, if you like the podcast, watch the show. Yeah, <laughs> legally. It's the best legally. means. Legally, of course. Yes, please. Yeah. Uh, pirating's huge. But please, guys. Uh, it's the only means of really showing support to to the producers For and sure. to the writers. Please For go sure. out, watch the show. Uh, if you like it, I mean, hell, like like buy the DVDs. There's phenomenal merchandise over at Fox's website. You can check out. There's great T-shirts, mugs. I, I mean, I know yeah. I'm going to be getting myself some. Uh, like the clips on YouTube, whatever. Every small thing counts uh, when it comes to uh, fan in- integration and uh, stuff like that. So Absolutely. This episode was written by Brandon Braga and Andrew Bormanis. I'm going to keep an eye out for these guys in the credits next time because I think they did a great job. Absolutely. This is some of the best writing, I think, in my opinion. I'm sure you'd agree with me. Uh, yeah. I would say this is some of the best writing we've seen uh, from the Orville. For like sure. these, these past couple episodes have just, uh, they've been on point. And I, I just really hope that that is a standard set because, I mean, the reviews are great. Like, I've seen reviews for this episode. People are just, uh, man, they just, they really are reacting to it well. And that's, that's phenomenal. That's the reviews I've read. There's some critics on Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that, that kind of trash the show, but the fan response has been pretty good. I think overall, overall, like the people that watch the show love the show. Like, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, I've not really looked into the Rotten Tomatoes reviews. I I remember you, you mentioned this to me uh, earlier that it was kind of hit and miss, but, um, Obviously, the show is – it's not for everyone. Nothing is for everyone. So there's going to be people that like it, people that don't like it. But, I mean, hey, we're hoping that you're on the same yeah. side as we are. We love the Orville. Yeah. Chances are if you're tuning in, you do as well. So A lot of critic reviews just break it down to, like, this works, this is flawed, right? This is flawed, this is flawed. But the sum of the parts are greater than the, the whole or the reverse of that probably <laughs> when I tried this thing. <laughs> You know, I enjoyed it. So let's let's get into this episode. So the the general overview of this episode, um, we have our romantic getaway between Captain Ed and Lieutenant Tyler, and our B plot is following uh, Gordon and his struggle to become maybe more than than what he currently is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So so in in a plot, um, Janelle and Captain uh, Ed, they're 
you know, they they're dating as we as we find out, which is great for Ed. He's he's finally back on his feet, sort of thing. Um, they've been participating. Uh, they've been having movie nights and doing this and that. But the so, crew doesn't know at this point. Absolutely, it's kind of uh, low key on this point. Um, I, I remember Ed mentions that he's kind of nervous to see how some people in the crew might react and stuff yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, they're enjoying uh, the King and I. Um, they're sharing a movie night together when uh, Lieutenant Tyler suggests that they, you know, become public. They they kind of maybe should get away. Uh, Captain Ed's been working a lot of hours and he hasn't had you know sh- like shore leave for quite some time. So yeah, they want to have a good away. Mm-hmm. So um, what we do find out, though, is after being granted uh, permission, well, not necessarily granted permission. I mean, uh, she she agrees to do the um, the the she agrees to take full command of the ship and take care mm-hmm. of it while Ed's gone. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so with uh, with that off Ed's mind, he he agrees and he tells um, he tells janelle that they're they're gonna go they plan a getaway for solaris 2 i believe yep. um and they run into some complications along the way matt do you want to dive into said complications yeah for sure so they run into three krill vessels that fly overhead and use drive plasma to unveil their position after they enter cloak and it was a, at first i thought well why would they how would they know where they are that they're there and to do that but it's revealed later on how they would do that so they're intercepted by the Krill vessel, and Janelle and Ed are separated, and Janelle is tortured on screen in front of Ed in an attempt to get uh, defense codes or some kind of ship codes so that they would have access to the ship or know their their, their war, war strategies and stuff like that. And then they use a prod, like a basically a, a intergalactic cattle prod, to torture Janelle, and they say that it, uh, humans can take up to level 8, but and they're using level six on her and it's rising. So that's almost an indication that something's not quite right. It's then revealed that after Ed does give the launch codes, it's revealed that Janelle Janelle Tyler is actually a krill. Uh, she's mm-hmm. under she's undergone a procedure to turn into a human and infiltrate the union, which you know is kind of a taste of their own medicine because Ed did this earlier on in season one and. You kind of forgot about it, and then it, right, the Krill obviously didn't. They were planning their revenge, and, and they extracted it uh, thusly. Yeah, this is true. Um, there's actually a section in the episode um, when when uh, Talea, after revealing her true identity, uh, she also reveals to Ed um, her intentions and why this was done. Um, so we do know that the the Krill, um, their higher, their superiors. Um, have have initiated a mission to try and capture a union captain for like you know, well for intel of course. Yeah. Um, so we we understand that Talea actually accepted this mission um, personally to seek out Captain Ed for revenge because um, his actions led to the death of her brother and some of her crewmates in in the first season. Yeah, exactly. Um, the process she undergoes to transform into a human is called transcellular micrographing which is a kind of a fun name to say, and I couldn't remember it if I got a tattooed on my forehead. It, it's a cool procedure, and it, it actually echoes something done in Star Trek Discovery. Uh, a, a character even has the, the exact same name, not to spoil it. Uh, but uh, if you're watching the Orville, uh, I think you're very much aware of Star Trek Discovery. And uh, we might cover it in the future, but right now we'd like to focus on the, the Orville because I think it's doing a great job, and I'm, I'm really enjoying every minute of it. I would agree. Uh, I've not seen much of Discovery. I do plan to dive deep into it. I am quite a large Star Trek fan. 
Um, and this is just part of the fandom that I haven't really touched much upon yet. And I, I will explore it and we might, you know, reference it here and there and stuff. Or who knows if there's a demand for it. Who knows? We could end up talking about that sometime as well. For sure. So it's it, when it's revealed that uh, Janelle Tyler is actually Talia this entire time, I, I thought it was a really fun twist. And I like how it was immediate. Like, I know a lot, there can be complaints that they only had a little bit of time on screen. I think she was only in one episode before this. But I still like the snappiness of it. Like you can tell by how happy Seth is and how uh, Ed Mercer is and how giddy he is that, you know, he's falling head over heels for this girl. And he makes a couple of mistakes on the way just trying just because he just wants to spend time with his girlfriend. And absolutely. I, yeah. It shows just how well Talia was able to adapt to being a human and then also tap into their weaknesses and exploit them. Absolutely. I mean, uh, if you look at Captain Ed, I mean, wow, like he's been through divorce. He's been through this. He's quite uh, he's quite uh, he's in a vulnerable state right now. Um, and he's never going to wow. trust a partner again. I mean, no, no, he, he's going to be in therapy for it, it's been a it's been a bad stretch where uh, Drulio um, kind of convinced his wife to cheat on him against her will. And then Drulio slept with him against his will. And now his uh, girlfriend is a krill. So it's, it's a rough go. I would just, I would just uh, take myself off the market if I was at it. Yeah. I would pretty much pack my bags and just kind of, <laughs> I don't know, have a focus that's outside of romantic uh, relations or something. <laughs> yeah, for sure. A poor guy. We, I mean, we could all feel for Ed. Like uh, I'm sure, you know, this is, this is a very human thing that we all experience, you yeah. know, mistrust or deceit, but man, never to such a, <laughs> Such yeah. a cynical, um, yeah, like, that's, wow, that's what a level of, of deceit that is. I really like the reaction shot on uh, Ed, Ed Mercer's face when he finds out that she's gone, that uh, Janelle is gone, and she's been to Leia this whole time. Like, you can tell, the, you can see the gears working in his mind as he tries to think about it. Like, imagine being told that. Like, oh, the person I, I know is yeah. Wow, it's incredibly overwhelming. Um, something that I noticed uh, when I was watching through it was um, I thought, like, okay, so when she did this transcellular micrografting, when she underwent that procedure, I mean, obviously we didn't see it. We don't, because that would reveal a huge part of the plot. Yeah. Um, however, when she is, um, you know, when Janelle is in captivity, uh, they're being tortured um, and she comes back. I don't know how much time passes between these two events, but it doesn't seem like a lot of time to no. change someone's physical. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, obviously I lack the knowledge of this technology and how it really works. But yeah, like uh, that just really goes to it contributes to the the shock value. Like you think, I think about, it's probably, yeah, it's probably like getting a tattoo removed or something like that. Like I don't know, <laughs> use lasers or put you in like a, uh, you know, some kind of machine they use for X-rays or something like that. And just vibrate the cells and change their uh, their makeup. Hmm. Um. So anyway, we'll continue with the uh, with the plot here. So uh, after Janelle kind of reveals that she's actually Talia this whole time, and there's not much uh, time to react. No, there's not. Um. But then. Space orcs. Um, so the krill vessel is attacked and then boarded by an alien race called the the Shock Tall. I refer to them as space orcs. If you've seen the episode, you'll understand why. Um, <laughs> they kind of look uh, like uh, sea monsters to me. They say nothing left on Earth excepting fishes. I mean, these guys would be in the water swimming with the fishes and eating them up because they look <laughs> a lot like old school, like 60s swamp monsters. And I really like that about their design. I, I think it's a brilliant. Uh, I think it's a brilliant like uh, aesthetic look for them because. Um, so often, I'm going to make a comparison to Star Trek, we see these, like, strange species, these strange races from different planets, and we're like, yeah. wow, it's it's so, like, phenomenal that the actual, like, designers and, like, the people working on these sets doing makeup and special effects and everything like that, it's, like, it's quite interesting to see what they're, like, able to come up with. Um, definitely a great example. Uh, 
I'm not you an know, expert in this, but it looks like a lot of it is like practical effects on the aliens. And I like that because we're so used to CGI. It's nice to see something that's really there that you feel like you could feel it and it would be there. Yeah, it's a nice throwback because if you look at like, you know, like the original series and like uh, just like countless spinoff series and stuff, um, there's never been a lot of computer generated effects. Like it's pretty mm. much just I mean, there are. But like uh, back in like the 60s and 70s and stuff like that, you know, it's kind of. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's far out. We're so used to CGI now. It's become the predominant means of uh, special effect. But I think that, you know, you look at Walking Dead, the things that they can do with practical effects, like, it's amazing. When they do CGI, it's usually kind of shitty, actually. <laughs> Although so, that's not to say, uh, because the Orville does have some beautiful special effects and some beautiful cinematics. Um, yeah. I love it. Yeah, I, uh, I, like, I like the planets and I like the ships. It's not the best CGI I've ever seen, but the storytelling and stuff like that, like... The original Star Trek didn't have amazing special effects and stuff. It was about the ideas and the characters. Mm-hmm. This is right. So, um, so yeah, the the Krill ship is attacked and boarded by by the Shock Tall, as we said, um, and we later find out that they're quite a brutal race um, by word of mouth. Talia says to Ed. Yeah. Uh, however, we really see it when they board the Krill vessel. Like they are they are shooting people point blank with like you know some kind of phaser rifle. Yeah. They're shooting to kill, but if they accidentally injure them, they're going to make sure they actually do kill them if they can. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, leave no survivors, apparently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So at this point, um, their, their vessels being boarded, you know, like the krill are being uh, like shot down like flies. Like it's, it's quite horrific. Um, yeah. At this point, um, yeah, Talea has to make a pretty big decision. She has to get out of there. And if she's going to fulfill her mission, she has to return Captain Ed to the krill. Ed pulls a gun on her and says, where's your shuttle bay? And they try to get where your escape pods tries to get it as quickly as possible. And at this point, the enemy of my enemy is my friend because you have to find a way to get out of here somehow. It's better to get out with your enemy than for you to both die on this uh, Krill ship. Absolutely. In a situation of life or death, like you have to put your differences aside, no matter how hard it may be for a certain party. Um, but yeah. like, yeah, when it comes down to survival, it's like uh, we, we really realize, you know, what's what's significant and like what needs to be done. And um yeah, Talia, Talia responded well, and they got out of there in the nick of time. They aboard a Krill's uh, escape pod, and I like the way it's programmed to uh, to go to the most uh, the closest available planet and to go to the night side because we learn in this episode, and I think we might have already known it, but it's it's referred to again that the Krill have uh, a weakness to light, so it makes sense their ships would go to the the night side of the planet first, so they could get acclimated and find a place to hide when it does mm-hmm. get the night when the daylight does reach them. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting. Um, just super, super interesting. Yeah, we do know about the light sensitivity based on season one, I remember. Yeah. I don't remember very clearly, but yes. Um, and, and that's an interesting part about the uh, the medical procedure that she had undergone. Uh, it made her light, uh, her skin, much less vulnerable um, to light. Vulnerable yeah. to light, yeah, and exactly. That's cool. Uh, I forgot about that. That's cool. Yeah, I thought it was a neat one. So they crash land on this planet, and Ed is – he's landed on the ground. He got the worst end of the crash, I think, and uh, Talia pulls a gun on him, and it's a hostage situation. It's the reverse of what we saw on the ship now, or the reverse of what we saw during their escape from the ship, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, once they land and Ed regains consciousness, um, yeah, Talia holds Ed at gunpoint. Um so, yeah, uh, at this point, Talia is holding at a gunpoint and she tells him that she was not able to get the distress signal off due to interferences from the magnetic ore in the valley, which they landed. Um, so, yeah, so this is like, you know, they've, they've got to seek higher ground. And this is uh, 
this is like a strange planet they've never been to. It's the closest, uh, yeah, oxygen-rich atmosphere. It's very Star Trek at this point. It's very, very old school Trek. Yeah, this is when it comes back to some like really awesome Star Trek roots, and this is when the episode gets, I mean, even even better. Like just so yeah. good. The two exchange a lot of banter about Rares of the Lost Ark, and Ed tries to see if there's any bit of Janelle Tyler left inside Talia. Mm-hmm. Which you would. Uh, if you lost somebody that you were in love with, and you heard they're not dead, they're just, you know, transformed to a different person, you would see if that person you remember is still in there. Absolutely, yeah. It, it would be very hard to lose someone, like, so immediately, right? And especially when you're knowing that this person was kind of acting as that person, um, you know, an actor often draws influence and like inspiration um, from to the character, yeah, uh, with like real events. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's phenomenal acting, but yeah, like Captain Med is digging. He's 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 unable to kind of accept that there's no part of Janelle within Talia. Um, yeah. This is a hard thing, you know. We as humans, irreversible loss is very scary to us, and this is a wow. This is like a yeah. It's <laughs> a really smart a move loss. by. Yeah, it's a smart move by Talia because they know that there are a lot of times humans' hearts override their thinking. So mm-hmm. this the, is something we see in uh, Star Trek a lot. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, logic and 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 um, emotions—it's uh, like an ongoing battle, right? So yeah, for sure. And I think that you need a balance of both, like like a lot of things. So the two end up in in a cave after a lot of banter and. Mm-hmm. It's old school Trek. They have a big debate about uh, Avis, their uh, the god or whatever, or like the one they mm-hmm. worship. It's uh, the Krill god Avis. Yeah. So we're we're taught. Uh, we get a little bit of insight into their religion here. Um, so yeah, um, they they do talk about Avis. You know, there is a. Um, sorry. Uh, at this point, yeah, Captain Ed is discussing common ground. He's trying to just you know kind of put their differences beside aside uh, between the Krill and the Union. He mentions um, that these are myths that she's following, and uh, uh-huh. Talia has a really strong line saying, who are you to lecture me about myths? You fell in love with a person who doesn't even exist. I love that line, and it's so so cutting and stuff. Like, are you saying that I'm crazy because of what I believe in? You fell in love with a fiction, basically. You fell in love with a lie. Absolutely. Um, but in another light, like this can this can kind of prove true to, uh, to Talia's beliefs. Because, you know, Ed's beliefs... You know, as far as we know, if we're, you know, if we're like to understand something as truth, this could be an individual's identity or this could be a religion. So this kind of also works on the level with with Talia um, in the same sense of like if Ed believed that this was so real, um, then why couldn't, you know, her religion also kind of hold that same that same kind of. Yeah, yeah, like maybe if, if, you know, if Ed's questioning what he thinks is true. Maybe Talia should also be willing to kind of bend her belief. In a lot of ways, love is almost like blind faith, where you want to see the best in this thing and ignore the bad parts of it. So you go into it full heartedly, and you know it, there could be a lot of parallels. Absolutely, yeah. It's a it's a big it's a big leap of faith. Either either situation. Yeah. So when they land, it's nighttime, and it's still nighttime for a considerable time. Eventually, the next time we see them, daylight hits, and they reveal that. The night cycle, the day cycle on that planet lasts for 23 Earth days. Yeah. Um, yeah. Captain Ed is charting the sky and he's saying that the sun is moving at such a slow degree that they don't have time. They only have rations for three days. And there, there's really no way that they're going to be able to wait it out. Yeah. And it's one of the worst point, things you can hear as a krill when your weakness is sunlight <laughs> and it's going to be straight sunlight for 23 days and you will have no way of escaping it. So she's at the mercy of Ed now. 
Yeah, I think uh, their escape pods might need a little bit of reprogramming to consider how long the days and the nights are, you know? Yeah, Not that's just true. if it's an inhabitable planet, but if it's, you know, preferred to their their yeah. living conditions. Yeah, if their day cycles like are the right length otherwise. <laughs> yeah. That, that's I didn't think about that. That's cool. Yeah, it's something that just came to me now actually. Um <laughs> Yeah, so they know that the uh, the shock tall will be coming really soon. So they want to get the they want to get communication with the krill vessel as soon as possible. So Ed has to go and put the communicator up on top of this tall mountain, old school Star Trek style. Captain Kirk mm-hmm. is climbing a mountain, but it's, it's <laughs> Captain Ed. Yeah. Oh, great. So, um, all right. Yeah. So um, at this point, after we get that beautiful, super epic mountain scenery, uh, Captain Ed does get to the top of the mountain. And he he sets up his distress beacon, uh, sends a transmission. At which time Bordis picks it up uh, on the Orville, and they uh, they go at maximum speed to go try and save them. At this point, we we pan back to Ed, and oh man, he's got company. He has four shock tall soldiers following him. He yeah. returns to the cave and he tries to explain the situation to Talea. Yeah, and they realize that they probably have to get out there and get going quick. Talia, whether she wants to or not, it's either trust Ed or die on this planet, realistically. And early on in the episode, we saw uh, when they were watching the movie, Ed and Janelle, he wrapped her up in his jacket. What's cool about this scene is, at the beginning of the episode, Ed Mercer, when he was on a date watching The King and I with Janelle, he puts his jacket over when she's cold to warm her up. And it was because of the environmental conditions of the room. Now the environmental conditions are a lot more extreme. And so is uh, the situation. And Talia needs to be wrapped up in Ed's jacket to prevent the sunlight from burning her alive, which is I thought it was a cool, a cool mirroring of, of the beginning and near the end of the episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's like a, it's, it's, yeah, it's like a great thing to see again, because in this moment, um, obviously when we see it in the, in the first scene there, when the, well, yeah, when they're doing the movie night, um, you know, they're, they're very close, like they're in a relationship, blah, 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 blah. And then you see it again. And and again, it, it kind of resonates those same things where it's like not necessarily a relationship, obviously, like they're in a very big disagreement. There's lots yeah. of mistrust, but at the same time, um, in that moment, like, like, you know, uh, we've been through a lot. Like, you can trust me. Like, please, this is the only way. And again, he, yeah, he cloaks her uh, or or comforts her in some means yeah. um, with this jacket. And it, and it kind of rings true there. I, I love that. I love that point. Yeah. I like it. So much stuff has happened throughout, I guess, maybe a day, two days. But realistically, I mean, it's not all that different. I mean, in their situation where it's those two against the world. Um, yeah. So they make it to, back to the top of the cliff to get picked up by uh, what... Talia believes is a krill vessel, but she finds out that Ed actually called the Orville and summoned down a shuttle of one of his of his own people, which she hates and puts a gun on Ed and threatens to shoot him. Mm-hmm. This is true. I, I, at this point, she says something along the lines of like, I refuse to be taken prisoner. Um, you know what I mean? Um, but then she doesn't really have much choice. Uh, the the shock tall are scaling the mountain and they're opening fire on the two. At this point, um, yeah, Gordon and Bordis, sorry, they're still trying to land the shuttle. Um, so again, she she has to take a leap of faith in sorry in Captain Ed, and yeah. she gives him her firearm. And I mean, again, like uh, this trust has proven beneficial to the two of them because it got them away. Yeah, it shows that two different people can trust each other and get along for the greater good, which I think is the overall leading to a greater story arc between the Quirrell and the humans. Eventually, uh, Ed fires off a few shots, manages to hit one of the guys and deter them enough for the shuttle to come down and pick them up. Yeah, it's great. They uh, 
they get out, they make it, they make it safe and sound. Um, they get back to the Orville and um, things take an unexpected turn here. Yeah. Talia is put in prison, much like she feared. However, Ed marches down to the uh, the brig or whatever part of the Orville, whatever <laughs> whatever this area is called. And Kelly's talking to him saying, what are you doing? Because he intends, it seems like he's intending to release her. And she tells him all the, uh, all the, the negatives of doing what he's doing. I mean, this is a big no-no as far as the union goes. Like, you're not supposed to release prisoners of war or people that, you know, have committed serious crimes against the union. Absolutely. But Ed's heart is on his sleeve and he's going to do what he wants to do. Yeah, um, I believe, like, Commander Kelly actually tells Ed that he, like, his actions, like, what he's doing in, in deciding to release uh, Talea, he, he risks court-martial. So this is a very big ethical decision for Captain Ed. Um, his career is literally on the line when he makes this decision. You know, he he he, he understands the risk that's involved, um, and he just follows his heart. He knows that ethically, like, Logically, yeah. no, don't do it. But he's thinking, I know this person. And I think he knows long-term that, like, we have someone that's on the krill that has a good view of humans. Like, she would have a positive view, even though it, it is revealed that Ed was responsible for getting her brother killed. I think we might have already known that. But mm-hmm. personally, she should want to kill Ed. And what she does to Ed, Ed should want to keep her as a prisoner. Or Ed shouldn't yeah. want to release her. Ed shouldn't do that. But by releasing her, she show, he shows mercy in that humans and krill don't have to be at each other's throats all the time. Absolutely. Like, in his actions of deciding to release her, like, uh, against all like logical logical reasoning really yeah um because like yeah like it's it's just a matter of of you know he's shown her nothing but but mercy you know like he's put himself in danger's way to protect her and i mean hopefully she can return to her people with maybe not quite a fixed opinion about humanity and potentially other races as well, because we know that they're quite a xenophobic race. Yeah. Um, once they develop space travel, you know, um, some of their teachings from the, from uh, their, their religious text. Um, you know, it talks they, about how, when you learn, when you choose space travel, you learn that you're not the only ones out there. You get more aggressive to try to prove that you are. Exactly. The you can either try and reinstate your beliefs or you can adapt to kind of newfound information. Exactly. Um, and we're really hoping that the, the krill and the union, uh, maybe they can put their differences aside. You know, we don't expect this to be like an overnight thing, but especially now with this Start. new threat from the shock tall, I mean, you know, this could be another cave situation where we have to put our differences aside just to, for, for survival's exactly. sake, right? Exactly, exactly. So when Ed reveals to Talia that uh, she, she should call her people and they can pick her up, she's pretty shocked. She thought for sure she'd be spending the rest of her life in there at least a considerable amount of time. So... <laughs> That shock on her face, she still thinks – she knows this person has every right to lock me up. Why would the humans do this after I've done this to them? But he shows her mercy, and they have the other shuttle come and pick her up. I, I like this scene where they show the unity between the two species, whether it's superficial or not. You have the shuttle fly in in the, the shuttle bay right next to a Union shuttle and a Krill shuttle side by side showing, hey, I mean we're at, we're at war. Our people, whether unofficially or not, our people can get along You know, mm-hmm. even if it's just for a couple minutes for one – one interaction yeah it's true uh it's a very powerful scene when the krill vessel or krill shuttle pod rather um comes in to like the orville's loading bay there um yeah i'm with you matt it's it's a strong message it's like you know if we can meet here today and you know we're giving you like one of your people back unharmed you know unscathed like we treated her the best we could yeah like you know it's a pretty big pretty big symbol of like 
of a piece, hopefully. Yeah, and as uh, as Talia goes back to her ship, uh, they share some words, and Ed says to her, "You can tell, please tell your people, we can keep fighting or we can talk." Mm-hmm. Which, whether she'll bring that to them or not, either way, I'm sure those words will be echoing in her mind. Ed also gives her a chip with the greatest hits of Billy Joel, which is kind of cool. <laughs> Billy Joel is in a lot of the episode, actually. And as the ship flies away, we get uh, she's a she's always a woman to me. I think that's the name of the song. Yeah, I believe yeah. you're right. Yeah, and it's a banger of a tune. And actually, I'm sure when Billy wrote it, he thought it would uh, actually go on a futuristic Star Trek parody about the uh, relationship <laughs> between Krill and human. But it fits surprisingly well. It, it's a really powerful moment in the series. Absolutely. Um, yeah, no, it's 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 quite a moving moment. Yeah, he, he gives her the chip and, you know, she holds a eye contact with him for a moment. She turns around, she leaves, she gets back on her vessel. When that Billy Joel breaks out, oh my God, like the waterworks just turned on, buddy. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah, telling you. That's two uh, pretty sad endings, although it's more of an uplifting this time than uh, the yeah, last kind of it's kind of, um, it leaves us with a sense of hope. And it's it's very emotional and moving. It's very powerful. Yeah, so that's it for the A plot for now. We'll uh, we'll get talk about more of the nitty gritty later on. But let's talk about uh, Gordon Malloy's exploits on this week's mm-hmm. episode. So our beloved pilot Gordon, what a what a wonderful guy he is. So Gordon has decided that you know maybe he's seeking a little bit more. Maybe he hasn't really done as much as he could accomplish with his career and. He's he's looking to take a command test. He he'd very much like to be considered to be in command of a vessel one day. Yeah, earlier on in the episode, uh, Ed reveals to him that he's dating uh, he's dating uh, Janelle Tyler, and he says that they're aware that Gordon kind of had a thing for her as well. So he's realizing that okay, well that's not going to work out. And later on, it's revealed that Gordon just wants to meet chicks. So that's a good impetus for that. He's like, wow, I got to think of a, a, a new, uh, you know, a new move. So he wants to become captain. And it's not for the right reason, realistically. On the surface, he said it's he looks like he just wants to be the captain just for the social social status of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it does seem that way for sure. I mean, you see in the scene where he's uh, he's in the mess hall eating with that uh, with another officer on board. Um, you know, he's, he's talking to her about the command test and he's seeming pretty confident for, for our kind of bashful pilot. Um, and he, he does mention like at the end, uh, he says something along the lines of how would you like to go out for a drink or something with the future captain? And, uh, commander Kelly got wind of that. And that's why she actually asked him like, you know, Gordon, are you, um, do you think you're doing this for the right reason? Or do you think your interest may be, uh, for yourself and not for other people? Um, yeah, which is not good. As a captain, you have to look out for everyone. You know, absolutely. when you're thinking about yourself, that's not a good uh, starting point <laughs> for being a captain. No, you're right. Yeah, a captain. I mean, to be a captain, like, yeah, you're you you, you kind have of to have go to above put yourself last. Yeah, like it's it's all about the well-being of your crew. Um, and, and yeah, you you kind of have to put yourself at risk more often than not. Um, it's a lot of sacrifice. And uh, I mean, if you're you know looking to get into command for the in the first place because of uh, like maybe social status or interest yeah. in your colleagues. Well, I mean, right you really have to take a step back and yeah, you have to consider like why. Yeah, um, although exactly. like commander Kelly does point this out to Gordon and, and Gordon, his, his uh, little rebuttal to this uh, is actually quite, it's quite heartfelt. If I do say so myself, Gordon expresses, you know, 
you know, he's like, I'm a pilot. I'm, I'm a good pilot. I have 56,000 light years under my belt. But uh, after you're good at something, that's all they really expect you to do. And there's a very moving quote here. And um, he, yeah. he talks to Commander Kelly and he says, uh, he goes, if you're not good enough for yourself, like if you're not satisfied with yourself, then how can you ever be, be good enough for someone else? And I think that's something that we've all felt like, you know, where you might not feel like you've maybe lived up to potential and you feel remorse. Um, but um, it, it's Andrew, a positive message in like a negative shell where it's like work on yourself. You know, if you're feeling like you're not where you want to be in life, just do the little things to work on yourself. You know, when you mm-hmm. as long as you're improving, you're going in the right direction. Yeah, it's like I'm very much of the opinion that um, someone isn't defined by what they do necessarily, but yeah. like who who they are and like what they think and like what they uphold as like right and things like that. So, I mean, if Gordon's feeling a little subpar because, I mean, he's a phenomenal pilot, but like if you wanted more out of his life or if he's not satisfied with who he is, then I mean, yeah. Yeah, work on it. Work on yourself or just do things to improve your life and yeah, it's a positive message. I like that. Be be the best you you can be. And I mean, they didn't really say it in that way, but mm-hmm. you know, if if you're trying to get get a change in life, you have to change yourself first. Mm-hmm. And what I really liked about this is uh, after uh, Gordon expresses his kind of um, I guess his doubts in himself to Commander Kelly, and she really does compliment him um, on his character, uh, not only his, his occupation, but yeah, yeah. Um, and you can see that this kind of does speak to him later, because in the episode um, when they're when they're going down to pick up uh, Talia and Ed, um, Bordis expresses his doubts about the landing. He's like, "There's yeah. nowhere to land. It's blah blah blah." And there's a real sense of pride in this moment when Gordon says, "Like something along," he's like, "Don't worry about it." He's like, "I'm a pilot." So you know, maybe he he does feel a bit better about himself after Commander Kelly's kind of you yeah. know given him that reassurance in in who he is as an individual is is fantastic. Yeah, for sure. So he does take it like a command test, which is the Orville's version of the Kobayashi Maru. And it starts mm-hmm. off with a mental a mental exam with a kind of a Rorschach test, a digital one where they have like cubes all arranged in this way. And like they're like holograms of cubes or something like that. And it, it, it was a nice little scene where it's like, oh, what do you see? He's like, oh, why would you show me that? And stuff like that. He has like these reactions. So it's it's really just like it shows his mind, you know, what he's seeing and what he's um yeah, you get some insight into uh, in, into Gordon's character, and it's quite funny. Yeah, uh, when they're doing like the visual association test, he he's, seems to be extremely disturbed by all the things he sees. Yeah. Um, whereas, like, yeah, our our medical officer um, Finn, she's just like, oh my gosh, like, what are you seeing? Uh, one of my one of my favorite quotes from that section is uh, Gordon, and he goes, oh my god, like, who makes these things? This is a hostile <laughs> work environment. Yeah. Uh, and he proceeds to ask for water, which I thought was really funny because yeah. he, he just feels very uncomfortable in the moment. And um, he's got no one to blame but himself for whatever images are coming. <laughs> there. It's really just cubes Absolutely, and stuff like yeah. that. But I think it's kind of funny. It shows that maybe mentally he's scattered all over the place and might not be in the right, uh, <laughs> right mental state to go and try to become commander or captain. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, his uh, his testing in the commander um, role kind of continues, and he and he gets a, a simulated diplomatic kind of objective um it's quite funny right after the commercial breaks we're meant to think that they're engaging the krill they're actually Uh, yeah absolutely it kind of leaves you at a at a a moment of shock you're like wait a minute what and we do see this happen in star trek quite a bit so i actually very much like that where um yeah the holodeck is is kind of used to to deceive the viewer for a moment and you're like oh my god like gordon's like he's commanding the orville right now like 
if wow, you kept an eye out, yeah, if you were following closely, like you knew he'd take the command test, and like the bridge crew is a little bit different than the one we're used to. So there are that, some telltales there. Yeah, you're yeah, right. Yeah, I like that. There, there's the same thing with the krill and the and the kettle prod. Like when they said it's good, we can take up to eight. A human can take up to whatever. Like they mentioned the human. Like they throw it out there that she that there's human and there's a different. You know. That's right, and you can tell because. Uh, because like it's interesting because they don't ever use it on Ed, so it's kind of like that they mention that it yeah. you know reacts to human. I don't know. No, it it was uh it was cool. I, I like the foreshadowing and like light hinting that you can on a second viewing this episode really pays off. Like I I had a good time rewatching it. Absolutely. I mean, the more you watch this episode, there's like the more layers of complexity keep coming up. And um, I mean, like flipping through my notes and everything, I'm, I'm really hoping I'm, I'm like highlighting like some of the some of the ones that I mean, there's just so much. I'm hoping I'm getting yeah. some of the the big ones that you guys have picked up on as well. Yeah, if you watch the episode and maybe weren't high on it, I hope that us reflecting on the episode and pointing out these elements might have uh, incre- enhanced your enjoyment of the episode. And then we've done our job if that's the case. Yeah, I mean, we're just trying to you know preach preach to the choir, I guess. If you guys love it, I mean, that's that's yeah. what we're hoping for. So Gordon doesn't pass the commander test or the captain test, does he? I don't think he no. I think it's implied that he doesn't. So. Oh, yeah, right. I think it's implied he doesn't. However, in that moment, I, I absolutely love it when he's uh, doing the diplomatic uh, conversation with like the curl <laughs> vessel. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I, I, there's a quote here, and he's like, "Oh, you know, you wouldn't want to do that." And he's like, "We've got." <laughs> he's really thinking on the fly here, which is uh, later um, confirmed by Commander Kelly is a great. A great uh, trait for for a captain yeah. to have, but he just didn't really go about the execution so well. I will quote him here. Um, he says, "Sorry, yeah." Um, he goes, "Yeah, you probably wouldn't want to do that. We've got some new crazy, crazy new reflector. Well, maybe not, but but we have heart, a lot of heart, <laughs> yeah, passion. So watch out." Um, the part with the uh, reflector reminds me of another uh, Seth MacFarlane property where Adam West has a gun pulled on him, Mayor Adam West, and he goes, you can shoot me, but I've got a tiny bulletproof shield somewhere on my body, and if you hit it, you'll be sorry, or something along those lines. <laughs> it's kind of similar, like, you know he's just straight up, like, lying to you, but I don't know, he's putting that seed of doubt in your mind. Mm-hmm. And I like the we have heart thing. It's mm-hmm. very similar, like, Ed has been showing his heart all episode as a captain. It's important to have heart, but not to just say, well, you know, we, we've got heart. You know, you have to show you've got heart instead of just right <laughs> out saying it. it it's, it's not just heart. It's um, you need strategy and, and common sense and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That's absolutely correct, yeah. After the mission to uh, go and retrieve Ed, we see that they're getting a transmission, and Kelly and Gordon are having a moment where she, she says, see, that's that's what a captain does. And uh, do you think he can do that? And Gordon says nothing. He just has like a look of like, yeah, you know what? I, I think I can. Like he's thinking and he's finally getting it that there's more to being a captain than just the status that you have. Yeah, it's true. It's um, like Gordon is like, you know, he, he seems a little perplexed into Captain Mercer's reasoning. Um, and then Commander Kelly just, yeah, she's like, well, um, you know what the admiral decides. You know, it's like it depends. Like if uh, if if they see value in his decisions or not. And Gordon's like, well, but like you know, this this woman like Talia wanted wanted him dead. Like why would he do this for her? And then that's when she goes like, well, Gordon, that's command. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so it's like you know, it, it's pretty it's pretty big. It's a pretty crazy moment there. 
Yeah, so I, I like that moment. The, a lot of facial acting in this episode, Not you don't need to say it all. You can just show it in the reaction of the actors. That's the craft of the actor is to just get across a feeling or a thought with just your face. Absolutely. Well There's a lot of great, great body language in this, and like they convey a lot of emotion just through you know, subtle facial expressions and, and, and like reactions. And it really does illustrate like what language often yeah. cannot. Yeah, it, it for sure. Like 80% of our communication is just body language. It's nonverbal. Um, so I thought that was really powerful that the, the episode ended super strong with, with that. And then the Billy Joel song uh, within like 10 minutes of each other. I, I thought it was great. I, I like this episode that, that essentially wraps up the synopsis of the episode. We can just kind of talk about, greater themes and stuff now if you want to Mm -hmm. one thing i want to talk about is the the idea of like humanity like we almost need another word for it because like humanity is to be good like ed says humanity is almost thought of like it's good you're showing your human side which we it's like understanding and and you're part of the human species but i think there needs to be like a grander thing that extends throughout the galaxy for like just general goodness among like different species yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah, like so often we hear, oh, our humanity, our humanity, our humanity. Um, but that's kind of isolating ourselves in, in the universe, right? It's like, uh, well, humanity obviously is attributing to kind of like what it means to be human. But these traits aren't exclusive to humans. You know what I mean? We we see compassion in a lot of different um, species through like throughout the Star Trek universe. Um, and, and I mean, even in the Orville, like we've not been exposed to a whole lot of different races or species but I mean, yeah, like you look at you look at like some of our our non-human officers and uh, like they obviously possess the same traits that and like the same ethics and morals and philosophies that are, are shared amongst yeah. the union. So, it, it, yeah, it's not even about humanity. You're right. It's yeah, more like, about just um, Bordish is a little light on the compassion side, to be fair. But like Clyde, mm-hmm. seems to totally like understand what it means to like respect and treat people right. Uh, Isaac, the the uh, the judge, <laughs> the jury's out on that one. I, Isaac's learning. I think that's kind of the point where Isaac is a robot. He's like not even like technically a living being. So that's kind of like the idea behind him, and he's mm-hmm. very much our data of the show. Yeah, we we see Isaac uh, struggling to kind of understand uh, human traits and things like that, which which does echo into Star Trek with um you know, seven of nine when Captain Janeway has been trying to teach her, you know, being disconnected from the board collective and everything. And again, yeah, with like Commander Data, like, you know, yeah. it's just like a struggle for for these yeah. human um these human features, um, or characteristics more so. But but yeah, um like we, we, we should obviously recognize that these are not limited to humans. Like, you know, this is this is something that just comes with um maturity, understanding and appreciation exactly. for for cultural and, and whatever other differences that species may share or not share really the differences there. Mm. Another line I wanted to highlight was um, when Talay is going back to her people on the shuttle. She says, "Don't think that this means that uh, things are going to be better between us and stuff like that." And then uh, Ed says, "Defect to my species. We never give up hope." I like that. You know, he's optimistic. Ever the optimists. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like that element where it's like, hey, you know, we have hope. You got to have a little faith sometimes. Ed took a leap of faith in t- letting her go back to her people, and that could pay off, or it could lead to a massive, uh, massive trouble for the Orville. That he could lose crew members. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, all this whole episode, like Captain Ed's been taking these, you know, like he's been putting himself on the line. He's been trying to show and earn the, like the trust um, and respect of Talia. So, yeah, like when she at the end, when she kind of 
what seems to be like shoots down his hope and says, you know, like, don't think this is going to, you know, help the diplomacy between our species. Don't think this is going to yeah. make relations any better. Um, but he doesn't look discouraged, you know, like, like he has the best intentions. Yeah. And, you know, she like, says there's no hope, but she does the look back when she when she gets on the ship. You know, that's mm-hmm. like, you know, she, you don't look back and stare at someone you hate all the time. Sometimes you're just like, I'm leaving. I'm out of here in a huff. You know, she looked back and just, you know, captured that image. Mm-hmm. Like once the uh, like the Krill vessel has come and they picked up Talea and everything like what what's keeping them from opening fire on them? I mean, I guess it is like a small like transport, but they go back to their main ship. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like at that point in time. They they could have opened fire if they if they wanted to, but they peacefully just you know accepted their officer back and probably turned know around. They, they could have thrown a tracker on the wall or hidden the tracker in there too. That'd be a cool element. It's hard to that say. Yeah, you might be able to see some uh, some I can neat see, stuff. I can see a scene episode. where uh, where they're aboard the krill vessel and they have uh, Talea hears from the krill captain like, oh yeah, we left a, a tracker on there, and they could show a reaction on her face of whether she feels mixed emotion, emotions about that. Like, oh, I kind of like these people. I kind of trust the Orville of all ships. Like, I'd rather that one not get blown up if we're going to blow up Union vessels. Yeah, it's true. It could be used, yeah, it could be used to, you know, like, maliciously follow them or whatever. Or it could be used to, like, yeah, you say, like, identify them and maybe show them mercy, hopefully. If anything's yeah. canting through to the krill. In this episode, hopefully it's that, you know, we don't want to fight. Like, we want to, you know, we want a strong, like, galactic community. Exactly, exactly. And one thing that uh, that I liked was when they were on the on the uh, planet there, they mm-hmm. had uh, Ed mentioned that, like, that, you know, it's like, oh, we watch movies together. You made me a grilled cheese or whatever. The fact that they brought <laughs> up, like, grilled cheese, you know, it's just, I love yeah, it. That, yeah, yeah. He's like, no one, oh, you, you made me grilled cheese. Like, what? you didn't have to do that. Why would you do that? Like, yeah, <laughs> if you grill someone a cheese sandwich, there's got to be at least some element of, of love in your heart or something. Oh, like there that. has to be some some deeper, some deeper, yeah, feeling. Like, you don't just make a grilled, <laughs> you don't just make a grilled cheese for someone you hate. Yeah, That's there'd be poison in it if you did, you know. You know Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's just an uptown grill making cheeses on a grill. <laughs> grilled cheese on a grill. Uh, you're lucky you just got one Billy Joel pun this episode, guys. Uh, warning, there will be many puns ahead. We're entering a pun field and, uh, you know, prepare for prepare for impact. <laughs> prepare for impact, indeed. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, in the cave, there was a lot of Shrek 1 vibes. If you're a Shrek 1 uh, viewer like myself and probably most people, uh, you know, the scene where they're in the cave, it's almost like when Shrek is bringing Fiona back to the king and they, like, hate each other. And they're talking about how much they hate each other, but underlying they kind of like like each other, whether there's love or not. But they kind of do have some like like love for each other. So I I kind of like that. I wasn't like one for one, obviously, but I couldn't help but think of that in a second view. <laughs> yeah, no, that's funny. I, I enjoy that. I'm glad you brought that up. That's that's great. And I'm sure our, our Trek, uh, sorry, our Shrek listeners will yeah. get quite a kick out of that. Yeah, and uh, Shrek Trek, uh, we know that was made in the year 2025. That was a fantastic program that ran for three seasons. And, uh, you know, you guys are going to love that when it comes out. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Stay tuned. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Another part is I like when they talked about uh, how Ed and Janelle, when she was Janelle, uh, they were were watching Raiders of the Lost Ark, and she sympathized with the Nazis. I thought that was a nice time. Oh, I know. She's, uh, yeah, yeah. I remember the scene when um, they're, they're walking after the landing, and he's, like, kind of asking her, he's like, so like all that was fake, like blah 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 blah. Um, and he's like, "What about this movie?" He's like, "Did you like any of them?" And she's like, "Yeah, I like that one." And yeah, it was like Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then yeah. he's like, "Oh, cool." And she's uh, she said, "What did she say?" She said she was like, "Oh, I really like this character." And then he was like, 
wait, what? Like, that was the Nazis. That was the bad guys. <laughs> yeah, it's cool. It just kind of shows how differently they view the world in that, which is which is nice. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely shows you the two different lenses that people are um, viewing things through. For sure. So I think that's about it. That's pretty much all I have to say for the episode. I don't know about you. I mean, yeah, like I... I guess we've already pretty much touched on most of the things that I've wanted to talk about. I guess, uh, I guess what I'd like to say before we really like start wrapping things up here is um, the episode title, right? I mean, yeah. it's like phenomenal. Okay. So it's called nothing left on earth, excepting fishes. Um, Neither we, of us have seen the King and I. Ben yeah. We're not familiar up. with the King and I, but we, we did like kind of check into it briefly there. So anyway, yeah, like this is from the film that they were watching on movie night together. And yeah, so I guess this this is what it's from. It says, one will seldom want to do what others wishes, but unless someday somebody trusts somebody, there'll be nothing left on earth excepting fishes. So yeah, like if you just look at that, I, I don't know the events of The King and I, but I can tell you how that really speaks to this episode of The Orville. Yeah, it's a perfect title. It, it sounds absolutely. wordy, but when you learn the meaning, it fits perfectly. Absolutely. Like, I was confused when I first heard it. I thought it was nothing left on Earth except fishes. So I was like, oh, wow. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I get it. It's like, yeah. you know, between, like, the two, if there's still conflict, like, who knows, right? Like, nothing's going to be left. But if we can get together and get along, you know, hopefully we can grow and, and, and really, like, yeah, just grow together, right? And this is something that's very true to this episode because... The Krill and the Union, um, obviously, they've not seen eye to eye. There's a lot of reasons behind this. But yeah, like, you know, if Ed has tried everything, he's been so merciful and and respectful even um, to someone who's done so wrong to him. He's really just trying to be the the better person in this. Yeah. He's just trying to put differences aside because he understands that, like, like there needs to be trust between us yeah. or neither of us are going to make it off this planet alive. And it, and it resonates much larger than that, um, like the relationship with the Krill and the Union. Mm-hmm. Um, like, if, if we can't kind of put our differences aside, it's so hard to do what other people want. But if we can just kind of bite the bullet, yeah. maybe there's going to be a bright future for us um, instead of, you know, potentially like a very large war. Exactly. Yeah, he doesn't like want a galaxy time. where no one's accepting fishes. He wants to be. He wants people to be accepting fish. Fishes is, must be the the key barter system. <laughs> yes. No, I'm sorry, but it could be anything. Just you know, extending a hand. We need to be able to have a dialogue open. That's why I said we're, I'm willing to talk. You know, hey, mm-hmm. we can fight or we can talk. I'd rather talk. You know. Absolutely. One, one other element I think that kind of builds on that is by going through the process to become a human. I think that that method of infiltration. May, managed to give them a link that wouldn't be there. So by becoming human, uh, Talia has to get engrossed in that culture and learn more about humans and let it get into her mind and start thinking, hey, these guys really aren't that bad. Without that, she wouldn't have – there might not be the bridge between the Krill and the human. So in her you know, evil kind of plan there, it might have been the one thing that could unite the two. Yeah, it's definitely a very good point. Um yeah, no, I, I would agree with that very much. Uh, like to to infiltrate like a, a like an opposing faction's vessel, um, and to do so with no indication that she was there. Like it was it was such like a very good uh, deception, like very well it's, organized. Yeah. Um, it sounds like it would and, make a great James Cameron movie. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Uh, but but yeah, I mean, like she she definitely does have to subject herself to humanity, and she can't be repulsed by it, like like she actually is. She has to really just like just just totally put herself and immerse herself in that uh, that culture. Sorry. 
that like we have Indiana Jones and of course uh, you know Billy Joel is the way to peace. So people out there, that's the method. He's using Billy Joel, uh, the greatest hits of Billy Joel. I don't think there will be any war if we just did that to <laughs> just share that with the world. We'll just put some uh, <laughs> put some Billy Joel, the best of Billy Joel, out on some thumb drives and just send them in a ship in a bo- or a note in a bottle kind of thing. Yeah. So should we take this one home? I, I think that's pretty much all I I have to say. I know you had a question. We can do that if you want. Ah, uh, yeah. I had a I had two quick little quick. Well, I I was gonna ask you one of them, but you've already nailed it so many times that I know you know the answer. So right. I have unfortunately since Matt's got some extensive knowledge of this episode i I can't give him too much of a trivia but we thought it'd be fun i have one question for you all right matthew yeah during the unfortunate events when uh uh, lieutenant tyler and our captain are floating off to solaris 2 for their getaway when the three vessels from the krill come in and it kind of uh do what they do yeah. Do you remember what the name, oh, the um, what class was? vessel, oh. what class of uh, krill uh. ship these are? <laughs> Damn it. Um, do, 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 I don't know. Do, I'd say assault class do, vessels. Do, do, I have no do, idea. Do, do, do. Bam, bam, bam. Very no. close. <laughs> uh, they were marauder class. Vessels. There you go. There you marauder. Go. Yeah. <laughs> do, 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 do. Just one other thing. I thought you were going to ask me what kind of floss Epic Fryland was using on the vessel, in which case. Like, oh, do you know? <laughs> I have it in my notes, and I actually want to bring it up because I really like the. <laughs> yeah, I like that, that's uh, a really funny one. You're right, yeah. I like the uh, Seinfeldian uh, reference. It was almost like a moment where uh, Seth mentions to, uh, or Ed Mercer mentions to Janelle Tyler that he uh, forgot his toiletries on their vacation, and it was called. Uh, uh, what was the name of it? It was a special kind of made of a special kind of silk. Just one sec. It was. Um... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was so funny. Because she's like, oh, why don't you just like replicate yourself some new ones? And he's like, no, no, I, I no, need it's a made of a specific. Nvidia micro silk. It fits between the tight spaces and his teeth. <laughs> Which I'm hoping they're they're building up to a final conflict with the kill with the krill where they have a, a flossing weapon that just won't fit between his teeth and they just knock them out or shoot them with a laser. <laughs> yeah, but you I heard agree. first, folks. You heard it here first. It's quite a Seinfeld moment. I can just picture Jerry, you know, like kind of unattentively picking at his teeth. Nah, nah. You know, I need this kind of like specific floss. Um, <laughs> yeah, so yeah it's, it's a great element of humor. It's very subtle and uh, it's really quirky. Yeah, I like it. And uh, just to touch on a bit, some of the lyrics on She's Always a Woman to Me, just she can kill with a smile, she can wound with her eyes, she can ruin your faith with her casual lies. Like, that would kind of mess your mess up your faith a little bit if you just fell in love with, like, a totally different person than you knew. Like, a holy, like a, like an alien race of people just totally just mind after you. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I would say this was, like, honestly just a great episode. Uh, it really rang true with, like, Star Trek, like we talked about a little bit earlier. And yeah, I just think that like Seth is doing a phenomenal job with the Orville. He's really capturing that like sense of of Trek fandom. I would, yeah. I would say. Oh yeah. Um, he's really like hitting some some timeless like timeless subjects. And yeah, like the, I I would say like the Orville is is doing phenomenal things. Um, if the next twelve episodes are like this, we're in for a hell of a season two. I'll tell you that much. Absolutely, absolutely. I can only hope for something like this great. So anyways, we've got to get back to bridge duty. So huge thanks to Katie for our logo. You can follow her on Instagram and see her other kick-ass pieces at artist underscore drift on Instagram. And she's got another page called pyre.hfx, pyre spelled P-Y-R-E. You can see that in the show notes too if you want a direct link. 
Yeah, she's a phenomenal artist, and she's been very helpful here uh, at the Redenbacher. Uh, we just like to really give her a big thank you. And yeah, if you guys enjoy the podcast and if you enjoy the artwork, please go check her out. Her her work is super cool. Uh, I'm sure you will not be disappointed. It's yeah, great. she even designed some dope ass skateboards too. If you're into that sort of thing, I think she does commissions too. Yeah, how would that? How cool would that be? You could get your own custom deck, and you could be shredding the park and letting yeah. people know where you got it. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. And we want to give a special thanks to Spirit of the Wildfire for use of their song, See You There, from their latest album, Bittersweet Nothings. It's pretty kick-ass, if you ask me. Go check them out on Bandcamp at uh, sotw.bandcamp.com if you want to buy their albums. Yeah, get out there, show them some love. Uh, they're also on Spotify if you guys want to uh, check them out there as well. Yep. Um, yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal guys, great artists, uh, and very supportive of this podcast. Thank you very much to Spirit of the Wildfire. Yeah, we went to high school with them, so we know them pretty well. But this, this, their latest album is a freaking jam. That's Quite a the banger. Yeah, Quite Spirit the banger. of the Wildfire. Wildfire is one word. If you have any questions, send them to the USS Redenbacher at gmail.com, and you might hear it on the show. And that's all one word, ussredenbacher at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you guys, so please drop us a line. And, uh, yeah, if you know, we'd love to, to write back to you, or you can hear it on the podcast, maybe, if you're the lucky, lucky people. Yes. <laughs> yeah, because we know we, we're just going to have a full email box for sure. I expect it. Hopefully. Uh, Fingers crossed. Yeah. From the Purunga Sector, this is Bleeding Gums Murphy for Commander Bullerwell, signing off.